I, I suppose we should just jump right in, huh? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, so it's just uh, going to be me and you recording, and Peter will have to fix everything later, I guess. That's that's correct. <laughs> okay. Recorded live at Tox and Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. From the Talks and Tasting Studios, this is the Clerical Airs Podcast, the podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. I'm Bullhagen. This is Vicar. And it, it's just a, the dynamic duo today. Just us. One and a half pastors. <laughs> half, that's a pretty good improvement. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's like uh, having half of a successful surgery. <laughs> or building 90% of a bridge. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we said it in engineering. <laughs> um, so, a, a bridge to nowhere. Right, right exactly. <laughs> yeah, you were in Alaska probably when they were talking about the bridge to nowhere. Oh, yeah. I can't remember if I was or not, but but it was certainly a topic I was aware of because uh, I think it was a tunnel, too, that like a huge expensive tunnel project that was going to connect one lightly populated, you know, area to the to the rest of the highway system and pork, pork barrel project, right? I mean, right. Like, I mean, it was hugely good for those few people, but expensive. You know, I was in the studio yesterday, and I want to tell the story that made you laugh. Yeah, you should tell that story. All right. Let me set the stage, okay? Okay. First thing is, it's a Zoom meeting, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, of course, if I'm in a Zoom meeting, I could just use my little tablet, you know? Right. But here I've got this, the, the best sound equipment right. in the, town. The right? whole studio with great equipment. Right. Right. The only that might rival it is a radio station in town, but right. You know, I've been there. I, I wasn't impressed, to be honest. <laughs> okay. Peter's got us hooked up over here. Right. And so, uh, you know, we're on this Zoom meeting, and uh, let's just say, uh, you know, I'm almost fifty years old. I'm like the young guy. <laughs> right. The up and comer in the right. group. Right. A lot of uh, uh, retired type folks, warriors, really. I mean, their work ethic and all that they do and their love for the, the word of God is amazing. Um, but here, here's the thing. I was had a very important point to make, and they all said, wanted to ask me about something. All eyes were on me on the Zoom meeting. Right. And so I, what do I, what do you do when you're not talking? You, you got to mute the microphone. Right. 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 Which is constantly stressed because in our group, we have a lot of uh, feedback, mm, okay. you know, where it's, how can everybody hear me? Right. 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 So everyone is well-versed. You mute, mute your microphone. You unmute it when you talk. Right. Right. So everyone uh, looks to me for this answer. And Carl, you, you have something really important to say, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm muted. Yeah, of course. Of course. Right. So my mouse decides to not, you know how a mouse, like when you move it around, it doesn't, yeah, do anything it's like non-responsive right probably a cordless you can kind of tell it's moving but it's not like you don't see an arrow you don't know where it is right where to go right right so so everyone and i'm trying to say something nothing obviously you can hear me and so i hear carl you have to unmute your microphone which i obviously know <laughs> right. right you know about some right. audio equipment right and then i hear again <laughs> Uh, Carl, if you would, I know we, you can't hear, we can't hear you because your microphone is muted. I'm like, I know. And I'm like frantically trying to get my mouse to work. And then I have, you know, an 80 year old man tr- trying to, you know, grandpa explain me. It's if you look in the corner, yeah. 
I'm like, ah, because all they see me is like shaking my head like I'm in. Like, right. Oh, he doesn't know technology right. very well. Let's get some old guys in here to tell him how to do it. <laughs> so, and, and and then they're all like 10 people are instructing me how to that, that my microphone isn't muted. And, mm, uh, and where's the yeah, button? We're on something called like? Zoom. And if you look, there's yeah. a microphone that has an arrow, like a check. Right. You're not, it says muted. You need to <laughs> unmute that. Yeah, that cracks me up. And then how do you tell them? Like, how did you, I think you, yeah, how did you tell them that, like, that's not the issue, that the mouse isn't working? Well, and then I started shaking my mouse. I don't yeah. know if they thought that was threatening like or holding something. holding it like, up and shaking yeah, it at the yeah, camera. Like, oh, he's really <laughs> mad, yeah. you know? Tell him more how to wear the mute button is. He must be swearing or something because he just didn't want us to hear. Maybe he's doing a little filtering. I don't know. He's a little, little uh, off kilter right now. Right. So finally, I, I get it where I slow it down. And, and so part of it is, like, if you move it really fast, then you definitely won't see it. Right. Well, and, and you use these cordless mice here in the uh, studio, and this is probably hard to visualize, but there's kind of this rug thing on the table in front of us. And I've seen you use the cordless mouse on this, like, coarse rug. And amazingly, it seems to work, but it kind of blows my mind that you don't have a mouse pad or anything you... But it seems to work. Well, like, and I was trying on different surfaces, and okay. all they see me is like looking around and right. like, what do I do? What do I do? Like, unmute your microphone, Carl. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, Carl, if you look on the screen. <laughs> Hold on, we'll get an older guy to tell you. <laughs> and then they like telling, you know, hey, can you like uh, unmute Carl from over there? He doesn't really seem to understand, you know, <laughs> this whole mute thing. <laughs> the technology is beyond him. <laughs> <laughs> so that's great so that was humbling right it's funny to, to think about now but because you know i you know we'd have a tend to make fun of like the the person who doesn't understand zoom oh yeah oh it was painful when we went to remote work and and everybody suddenly had to learn zoom all of a sudden and right. some people are better at technology than other i'm talking about work before i came to the seminary and and we would start having these at first i think they were like daily meetings and you'd have all 50 or 100 city workers all call in at the same time and then nobody knew about muting nobody knew that you know about the cameras and it was painful just painful right so yeah so 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 that that was me i was i was that guy who couldn't <laughs> figure out zoom <laughs> carl you need to unmute if you just uh look there you know like i know i know <laughs> i know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that was awesome did you ever have a moment like that? Yeah, probably. I think like it might have been nice to just turn the computer off and claim that it crashed, you know, just to get out of it. <laughs> right. That was a long meeting. I mean, you were half a day in that meeting anyway. Right. <laughs> right. And I, I had it at church, so I had to wear pants. It was the whole thing. <laughs> had a camera too, so probably <laughs> right. even at home you might have had to. <laughs> so... Um, so uh, I got yeah. You you what do you have for drink there? You bring this uh, this oh, concoction yeah. with you every it day is, yeah. in a used Gatorade bottle. I do reuse the Gatorade bottle. That's part of the recycling craze of the Pacific Northwest. So that's just part right. of how I am. But, but I, I, I I know you are not one who likes to waste, <laughs> right? Because every Sunday morning I give him an anxiety attack. Oh yeah, yep. With my battery situation, he opens a brand new two pack of double a batteries every sunday now i actually understand because you can't have your microphone go dead it's worth the 90 cents or whatever because we are on the radio right. and so forth now i get it 
but it drives me crazy. So I'm testing the batteries and I just find. I, I'm sharing you this with on air. I, I asked uh, how, how, how the radio, when I met shut-ins. Yes. And, and I asked, well, how the radio broadcast went, because that's how you really tell when the microphone is working. Right. Because you can't really, I can't tell in church because I'm so loud that my yeah. microphone would be off and everyone can still hear me. Right. The congregation would hear her anyway. <laughs> right. So, so they said, oh yeah, um, I think uh, Vicar's microphone was cutting in and out. I think there might've been a battery issue. Oh, <laughs> I check the batteries. I do. And See? when they're good, I reuse them. <laughs> right. I know. Sometimes you got to use a new one. <laughs> There's like a pile of 50 batteries in there, right? <laughs> But, hey, maybe we can make that like a fundraiser for the podcast, half-used batteries. Yeah, I have half a mind to put a box out on wherever they normally people bring their vegetables for other people during right. the, spring or the fall and, and just have, you know, free-used batteries. Th- these would probably last a year in your remote controls, but we can't take the risk that they cut out during a sermon, so. Right. <laughs> and and we used to have, for a while, the reusable, the rechargeable, but those wouldn't last as long either. No, those would weren't very reliable. Right, half-life problems with those. So there are good ones that are very expensive and then it's probably just not worth it. Yeah. All right. Anyways. (laughs) So you, what do you, what do you have in your, uh, sorry, I digress. Yeah. So that's just, it's just iced tea. Although it is room temperature iced tea, which might mean it's named wrong. And did you ever ever try to sneak a jar of iced tea into a movie theater? I snuck two, two liters of soda pop into a movie theater before with a, with a jean vest on that had big inside pockets. <laughs> well, you know what? Since I'm telling self-deprecating stories. Okay. And one of the favorite stories in the podcast is, happens to do with a jar hmm. and iced tea with me. I don't know that story. You don't know the story? No. It's one of the favorites on the podcast, so I, I might as well retell it. Yeah. Since you haven't heard it. Right. And there's be few people, this was maybe explained in maybe episode six, (laughs) something like that. Wow. It's the pickle jar story. You haven't heard this? Pickle jar story. Well, probably at my age, when you get to the end of it, I'll suddenly realize you have told me. See, since you're about my age, parts of this you'll understand. (laughs) Okay. All right. So you remember like uh, when you're uh, like sixth, seventh, eighth grade, like the big, like the fun thing would to do was to go to a movie and sneak in your snacks. Absolutely. Right? Yep, right. Fill your pockets, right? All mm-hmm. this stuff. Bring a, something to drink. Right. Right. Definitely. Right. So here's the scene. I'm going to do that. Okay? Right. I'm okay. going to bring a beverage. All right? So I'm scanning the house. Uh, I don't have anything. I don't have any cans to sneak in or anything. This is probably and I didn't have a thermos really. No water bottles back then, really. No, probably. No, like now you have like a whole cupboard of various. Right. You know, like you go to a trade show and you get a bunch of them for free that have the company's logo on them. Right. The only thing I had was a pickle jar. Okay. All right. So I can <laughs> fill my pickle jar with something. Uh, we didn't really have anything in the house except for milk. Right. <laughs> I'm not going to sneak milk in a pickle jar to go to a movie. I didn't have any pop or anything. Huh. Right. Okay. So the only thing we had was we had uh, some sun tea. Right. In the uh, refrigerator. Okay. All right. So I fill my pickle jar with iced tea. That sounds good so far. Right? Yeah. Right? So big movie. Like this is back in the time where where movies would sell out. Oh, okay. Okay. And uh, you know when the movie sells out, you, you have this long line mm-hmm. of people. Right? So I take my pickle jar. 
I kind of sneak it underneath my belt inside my <laughs> pants. So so uh, it gets up to, there's a long line behind us. We're ready to go in the movie. The ticket guys, hey, you're walking funny. Because <laughs> they, the 17-year-old guy working there cared whether or not you brought in. <laughs> right. It's, you know, you're, you're, you know, I, at that time, I was going to spend like $1.50 on a pop. <laughs> right. I mean, it's so much money. <laughs> I wouldn't have either, though. <laughs> right. So, so here's a scene. I'm in line, like lots of, not only people there, you know, I, I was at the age, I was noticing the pretty girls and all this, right? Oh, yeah. And uh, stop, and there's this kind of this commotion. Okay, what's going on? Everyone's kind of watching. And he says, you can't bring that in there. Like, what? What? Right. (laughs) So I had to pull a pickle jar of brown liquid out of my pants. (laughs) And and walk it to the trash can, which was? Oh, probably a long ways away. Yeah, like I had to walk by. (laughs) All of those. All of the people. Go to the garbage can and say, okay, yep. Yeah, yeah, I pulled this brown liquid jar out of my pants, and I'm just going to throw it away now. Right. Don't worry about it. It might be a medical problem. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, goodness. But I think Bird suggested I should have just, you know, downed it. Yeah, probably. I mean, you don't want to throw away perfectly good beverage. <laughs> I know. Tea that costs probably, what, three cents to make. <laughs> Which is probably why you drink it. Yeah, it is. (laughs) It's not water. That's the only reason. (laughs) So so, uh, uh, if you want to hear that story again, you can listen to one of our earlier podcasts where Mm -hmm. we hear the pickle jar. And I'm sorry that you hadn't heard that before. Oh, no. I'm I'm behind by about 200 episodes. (laughs) So, uh, Vicar, what am I preaching on? Uh, Let's see. It's got to be sexagesima. Which is a funny word to say, and probably I'm mispronouncing it. It might say guess in the middle. Instead. I usually pronounce the, the g in those. All right. So I reached out to my seminarian friend and explained to him that you say guess in the middle, and I say jess in the middle, and who's right? And so my seminarian friend, who's a vicar right now over in, uh, uh, in Pittsburgh, he talked to his supervisor, and the supervisor gave him kind of a scholarly answer to that guess, jess. Yeah. He said, you are... You, are probably pronouncing it in a more ancient way, and I'm probably pronouncing it in a more modern way. And then explain to my my friend that, nevertheless, your vicar friend is wrong because his supervisor pronounces it the way he pronounces and his supervisor is right. automatically right. So, right. That <laughs> so, is, I was kind of hoping he would say that. That's what the that's what the other supervisor pastor pointed out that pastor's right, vicar's wrong. <laughs> All right. So let's see. The gospel reading for sexagesima. Gesima. Gesima. Sexagesima. St. Luke I chapter mean, I mean, you're, 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 <laughs> the problem is, yeah. the problem with this word for you is not the gesima part. Is it the sex part? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, I wasn't sure. Like, it looks like it's sexagesima, but, it's, but right. the sex part does seem like I might be there's, there's a little pause, right? <laughs> and I can't wait Sunday to hear how you say it. Oh, well, remember, I'm not there on Sunday, oh. so you're on your own. To... <laughs> All right. Because there's, there's only way to pronounce that beginning. Right. <laughs> Right. I mean, that'll, I might have to actually listen to the Some, radio. Sometimes the you just got to lean into it, Vicar. The, the Old Testament reading for sexagesima. 
Be unafraid. <laughs> I mean, it's unafraid. <laughs> it does sound like a game show, right? You are a guest contentant, contestant on Sex a guess <laughs> <laughs> We watch different TV. <laughs> That's right. not on the air. Oh, that one's okay. That must be a cable thing. <laughs> okay, but let, let, let me know. Before keep, we turn this serious. into clerical errors, late night edition. <laughs> That's right. Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 8. When a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to Jesus, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away, because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil, and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when, the, when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that, seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. All right. Um, you know, we haven't done a top 12 list in a while. No, I guess we haven't. Why don't we do a top 12 sermon ideas from this text? Okay. You gonna work with me? Oh like yeah. Like if I get nine, can you get three? I'll I'll try really hard and maybe just reword some of yours and try to make them sound like they're different. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, and and you can see I've really prepared for this top twelve list. Oh yeah. It, I got uh, all this paper in front of me. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's in your mind this time. So Peter, play the, the intro. intro. All right. Sorry. <laughs> Enough nonsense. It's time for Bullhagen's top twelve. All right. So. Number 12. Number 12. Uh, first thing I would say is this. We could talk about the parable, right? Okay, yeah. Some Jesus explains a parable in this. Uh, some will understand, some will not. Hmm. If you've given the understanding of the king, kingdom, right, mm -hmm. then you understand. The only way you understand scripture is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes. And uh, it, is, it is interesting. A lot of people don't know this. That a large, there's a large percentage of Bible scholars that you might expect who actually don't believe in the Bible. Right. It they you treat it as some sort of a literary historical document. This is how it came to be. They don't really believe it, and yet they they tell you what it means and its importance and all this stuff without actually believing it. Right. 
I'm trying to think of the famous New Testament scholar that's always writing these provocative, like, you know, untrustworthy New right. Testament stuff. But Yeah, usually you find them on Discovery Channel. They got a right. lot of letters behind their name. Right. So I'll get your phone out. You don't need to know who this scholar is. Come on. I thought I could come up with his name. It's it's like Bart. You You know, know, chat GPT doesn't have to use a cell phone. (laughs) It uses everything. (laughs) (laughs) So bear that in mind. Every time I see something like that, you know, if you're just going to use. If I'm going to look it up, then maybe AI could replace me. (laughs) (laughs) So, so the point here is, is. Through, and that secret ultimately is Christ. Hmm. Okay, yeah. Christ is the key to understanding the scripture. So to understand scripture, you have to understand Christ. And to understand what the word of God is, you have to place in the context of who it is. Okay. And uh, we deal with a lot of people who try to, one of the most annoying things about being a Christian Hmm. in in, uh, the year 2023 is the fact that everyone becomes a theologian. Ah. Everyone becomes an exegete. Everyone says, well, don't you say or believe in the Christian church this? And people who don't believe in the Bible throw the Bible in your face as they know what the Bible actually says when they don't. Yeah. And so you wind up having theological arguments. I'm sure many listeners have been there with people who say this about the Bible or that about the Bible, or isn't the Bible about love? And then they reduce everything or... To, yeah, two words or less. Right, right. So so when you think... And, and that's also given in the context of the parable of the sower, where the word of God grows. Hmm. And, uh, and so how God not only grants the word of God, he is the one that grants the understanding right. of that word of God. And uh, and there is, you know, a way to to begin to understand one by the power of the Holy Spirit, of course, and and two, through Jesus Christ, because the disciples understood Christ more than the others, they understood the parables more than the others, and so the flip side of that is, if you want to understand the parables, then you have to understand Christ hmm. and what He was doing. Number eleven, the Word of God grows. Mm, okay. It's very simple, but nonetheless, that would flow nicely with uh, the Old Testament reading from Isaiah 55. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, eater, so shall my word that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty. Mm. So a reiteration of what Isaiah says, the word of God being fruitful. Yeah. Like is like a sower who sows seeds. You sow seeds, you expect it to grow. That's the very nature of a seed. Yeah. The seed is re- really there for that reason. And the seed is surrounded by certain nutrients so that that seed can have a start and grow. So So much is given so that little seed can grow and so much around that seed to protect it and feed it so it can grow that it can become food for us as well. It also reminds me of the simple statement that the fruit of the Spirit is love. That is what the Spirit produces in a person. It produces love. Number 10. Oh, the fruit of the Spirit is love. This is what this parable can remind us of. That that uh, 
when you have the Holy Spirit, it produces love in you. And all believers have the Holy Spirit. Let's make that clear. Just because of my strange background, I thought I'd better make that clear. Right. <laughs> but, um, and the parable talks about that because it produced a hundredfold. And, mm-hmm. and that's a hundredfold can, in terms of maybe spreading the word of God to others as well, but also that which the Spirit produces, which right. is love. There's an exment- exponential factor in this, right? Yeah. Because a seed produces a harvest of right. seeds. More and seeds. what happens with those seeds? They produce more fruit, which produce more seeds. There you go. <laughs> Number nine. So I would say this um, about the text, and I've, I, we've talked about this before in referencing this, right? And hmm. that this parable talks about all the things that can go wrong. Yes, it does. Right? And, and those will be reiterated in following numbers here, right? Okay. But at the same time, you can focus on the fact that I think there's an encouraging thing here. Because while we get discouraged with all the ways the word of God is choked out, not nourished, right. all those things, all the things that congregations are really feeling right now, yeah. right? This is a real thing. I mean, uh, this is a parable that many people see in, in great action right now, hmm. right? Oh, yeah. This, this is a, a great time to preach this because... This is something that really is on the minds of a good number of Christians in the pews. Right. Right? Because they are they are acutely aware of all the things that uh, the way the seed has been not nourished or robbed or taken away or trampled right. all around them. Yep. They see those attempts, right? So this is a great one to, to, to be able to talk about. However, while you're getting so upset about all the ways that the seed can die, right? Mm-hmm. There's still a harvest. I mean, a, a farmer sows because he's going to get more than he gets back. Right. You know, this whole, the way I word it with you one time is uh, we get so caught up, we act as though the kingdom of God is a consolation prize. Right. Right. Meaning that we are we're so worried about who doesn't make it and what's going on that we forget that, that the whole point, the bride must be awesome. Like, the whole thing must be good. God mm-hmm. is bringing the kingdom from the very beginning, from the time of the fall. There is, you know, we get so caught up in all the failures and all the evil. And it, it's like we, we think to ourselves, evil wins pretty much, except for this small handful of people. Hmm. And so, as though God did all this so that he can have the consolation prize. Hmm. Like, on the grand scheme of things, the devil wins... <laughs> and then uh, and, and Jesus kind of takes home what's left. Don't you think that's pretty much the attitude of a lot of Christians? Maybe. I'm, I'm thinking, thinking about like how, I guess how that might not be true because, you know, the, we, we preach how, you know, broad is the way to hell and narrow to heaven. I mean, so I'm not saying that like the thinking of it as Jesus getting the consolation prize is of course a terrible way to think about it, but I could see why somebody would think in those terms because of the the way the Bible teaches about how easy it is. But so so we learn from God's word that it isn't that way, meaning okay. that it is a beautiful bride. The kingdom of heaven is awesome. Right. I mean, God went through all this to win something hmm. that he couldn't have. The love. Uh, that he has for his bride, the gathering of his people. Hmm. We get so focused on the losses. At some point, we have to say, 
a farmer sows to have a greater harvest than what he planted. Right. Yeah. And at some point we need to realize, okay, there's a lot of things that are stinky around us and a lot of failures and a lot of struggles and a lot of people rejecting God's word. But there's a harvest. I mean, there's something greater than all of that that we have, that we have in Christ Jesus, which trumps everything. Hmm. You know, and so when we look at the cross, that was the victory for the entire creation. Right. That is the great moment. That is Jesus winning for himself a bride. That bride is not the consolation prize. That Mm. that bride isn't just this little thing. The devil gets the rest and he gets Mm. the leftovers. (laughs) The devil offered him the kingdom. Bow on me and you can have it all. But no, Jesus, he wanted the bride. He wanted them washed clean by his blood. He wanted a true kingdom. He wanted... uh, uh, people to love and people who learn by the gospel to love him back. Hmm. I like that. The purified bride. And so that is one thing I, I really like about this parable in that, in that uh, we, we act as though the sower sows. I really, and it's not act, maybe sometimes we get the feeling that the sower sows and uh, at the end of the day, it's a failed, mm. it's a failed crop. The crop just didn't take. It's, right, <laughs> right, right. It's a failed crop, and uh, and uh, you know, with all that effort, here we are. This 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 tiny little, because we think of numerical. It's all about numbers, right? I'm thinking about numbers right now, <laughs> right? Don't do that, because the whole point is the kingdom. And it must be a great harvest. It must be better than we could ever imagine. There's a reason why Jesus did all this to win it. Right. And so, yes, the failures are overwhelming sometimes. Right. And it was for Jesus, too. He wept over it all the time. Right? Yeah. He did. But at the same time, that does not somehow negate or or that does the, the, the scale tips in favor of the kingdom of heaven, no matter how you measure it. Right. Evil does not win this thing. Right. Right, because Jesus would go after the one lost sheep. Is that what your chat GPT says? I'm sure it is. (laughs) (laughs) Number eight. So that being said about the kingdom of God, Mm -hmm. nonetheless, there are warnings. So I would say this. Okay, we're actually... Uh, if we have time, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Yeah. My my top 12 list doesn't run too long. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, have, I have a question for you, Vicar. Okay. Right. So when we talk about receiving the Holy Spirit, is that just a one-time thing? I'm going to say yes. Okay. <laughs> well, I guess, uh, I guess the rest of my discussion is... <laughs> I mean... I would say no. Okay, well, I, I'm curious how you'd get there. I mean, I, having been raised Pentecostal, I mean, they're, I'll have to think about how we would have answered that as Pentecostals, but we certainly looked for a second event in salvation that was, you know, proved that you were a first-class right. citizen, you know. Well, well so I, a good place to answer this is the catechism. <laughs> of course. <laughs> right? Right. Is that a good place? Oh, yeah, that's a good place. So... 
Uh, in the same way, the Holy Spirit calls, gathers, gathers. enlightens, sanctifies, sanctifies, yep. and keeps the the church in the one true faith. Right. So that's not a one-time thing. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm still a little lost. Do you mean it's not one time because it happens to many different people, or do you mean it happens right. more than once so, to So, for example, is it okay for a Christian, a believer, who is a believer, to pray for the Holy Spirit? Well, to pray to or for? I don't... For the Holy Spirit. Yes. <laughs> okay. I'm, you've stumped me this time, yes. I guess. You got a hymnal there, okay? Yeah, okay. All right. Uh uh, open up the ordination section. There's a hymn that will be sung probably at uh, your ordination, assuming you get more questions right here. <laughs> <laughs> if I haven't blown my vicarage at this I'm, moment. I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, well, I don't know where the ordination section is. To, to all right, there's, there's multiply a, my failures. All right, if you unmute your microphone and turn to the index. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, I need to be nicer to you. I'm sorry. No, I'm okay. Yeah, is there somebody older that could tell me how to do this? <laughs> oh, man. So there's like five indexes in the back of a hymnal, by the way. There's more than five. Yeah, they go on and on. So maybe I should go to the to the front of it instead of the back. Oh, no, here we go. Here we go. Ah, page 681 to 682. So it's only, no wonder, I could, it's like literally one page. <laughs> 681. I feel a little better about myself now. There you go. The needle in a haystack. All right. There are actually there are two hymns, six eighty one and six eighty two, that are ordination or installation related hymns. Which are those? The first one is "Send, O Lord, Your Holy Spirit." Which, oh, that seems relevant. <laughs> oh, read the first verse of that, would you? Yeah. Send, O Lord, Your Holy Spirit on Your servant. Now we pray. But wait, wait. So like. Like the the ordained hasn't received the Holy Spirit yet? <laughs> well, I would argue that he probably has. <laughs> I mean, obviously he has. Right. All right. So we keep reading. Let him prove a faithful shepherd that no lamb be led astray. Your pure teaching to proclaim, to extol your holy name, and to feed your lambs, dear Savior, Make his aim and soul endeavor. All right. So, so, and we might talk about that hymn later, actually. Yeah, I think we might. But uh, here, here's what I kind of want to want to say is, is I think you can say that the work of the Holy Spirit is continual. Yeah. Right. And we have that sometimes we think as though, okay, I received the Holy Spirit when I was baptized or right. converted. Right. Right. When, right. Uh, and then the Holy Spirit's done. He did his work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there are. I think a person could think that. Yeah, but right. it doesn't seem accurate. Right. Mm-hmm. It is perfectly Lutheran to pray for the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Okay. Because the Holy Spirit continues to do His work. He continues to accompany that word. Okay. Right. And if you treat it as though it's just a one-time thing, because what yeah. happens? Well, the seed gets planted on different soil. Yeah. He causes it to grow. And then all of a sudden you hmm. you stop hearing his word. Uh, you don't you don't allow the spirit to continue because it says that seed is the word of God. The power of the word of God is the Holy Spirit. 
right? Yes. So, if that's the case, then that the Holy Spirit then in that word continues to feed and nourish it. So, um, you, I think this could be a sermon on the continual work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the Christian. Right. And 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 really, if you think of what baptism is, it's a continual, lifelong conversion. Okay, well, I'm struggling to understand that, too. All right, let's go back to the catechism. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Uh, what is baptism? Well, it is not just the Word of God. It is the Word of God combined, combined with, with God's, connected with God's Christ's word, command yeah, and combined with God's with, Word. Right. The Word of God. Right. All right. Uh, what does baptism indicate? It indicates that the old Adam in me mm. should by daily, daily contrition and repentance, and repentance be, be drowned, drowned and die. Daily. That was the, the key word there. That's almost <laughs> like a daily conversion. Yeah, that, that's, I'll have to think about that because I wouldn't think of it as Conversion being... in this sense, not that you're condemned and then you're alive. Okay. But it is a conversion in that... Uh, your sins are continually being drowned, and a new man is ar- arisen. Mm-hmm. Okay. And your sins, uh, you know, if that's a case, if that's not the case, why do we say you need to receive the Lord's Supper for the forgiveness of your sins hmm. often? Right. I guess I hadn't connected that with conversion. I mean, I, I understand that for we daily sin much. And I said kind of in the sense of, okay. of uh, it isn't like the conversion when we think of I was dead, right. and now I am alive. Like the, the Ezekiel 37, the dry bones, hearing the word of right. God, receiving the breath of God, and being alive. At the same time, we do believe uh, that we drown and die, mm-hmm. that our sin is still death, that needs hmm. to be alive. We need to be alive again. We're constantly being killed all day long, and we're constantly being arising all day long. Okay. So there is an aspect to the continual work of what happens when that seed grows is continues. If it's not growing, it's... Right, it's dying. And so I think that is an important aspect that a lot of times people forget. I believe that one thing that keeps people away from the church sometimes is the fact that, well, I know already I don't need to hear. Right. I know I believe in Jesus. I believe he existed. I believe he died for my sins. There you go. Right. I don't, I don't, why, why go to church to hear what I'm already needing to hear? Why do I need to go and, and hear that my sins are forgiven if I kind of already know that that's the whole thing? Right, right. because no, I hear you. you need the continual work of the Holy Spirit, and even pray for the Holy Spirit. Okay. What number was that? Eight. I think that was eight. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. So, what, what do you think about that? Just out of curiosity, that. Well, I think like it's. I mean, we're in a way we're talking past each other well, a little because bit because I'm stuck on the word conversion, and I'm mean, gonna. I don't know if this is relevant, but I'm thinking also of uh, Saul, King Saul, and. He had the Holy Spirit at one point, and he was prophesying and so forth, and then later, through continual disbelief and 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 ignoring the Word of God, he lost that. So, which makes me think, well, did he deconvert? And it's probably me getting hung up on vocabulary. But uh, 
Yeah, and 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 I think too there is a when you think of what the Holy Spirit does, right? Well, when you're asked for the Holy Spirit, one, it is for your own person, right? Yeah. You know, because uh, I am still a sinner and I need the continued work. I need his protection. I need him to continue to call me. I need him to continue to gather me. I need him to continue to sanctify me. Absolutely. That I completely understand. So... But that, that's so that's there's a the, the personal aspect of the Holy Spirit, right? Right. But there's another aspect of the Holy Spirit, too, and that is, uh, for example, before we we go out for service, one thing we often pray is, "Send your Holy Spirit to accompany right. my words." Right. Yep. So, do I believe everyone already has the Holy Spirit there? Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're not saying send for the first time ever or or go back even though you've left. You're not saying that. Right. Right. But we still need him. Right. So I think okay. that's another aspect of it. There's one aspect for the person, but also, uh, and the catechism does, delineates this. I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength right. believe, believe in, in Jesus, Jesus Christ, Christ, my Lord, or come, come to him, him, but the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, yeah. enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the one true faith, personal. Mm-hmm. Second part, in the same way, he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth. And keeps it. So so right. the, the point is, there's a an individual nature of the work of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. and there is a group nature of what the Holy Spirit yeah. does. Okay, because there's a seed, but there's also a harvest. There's an individual, but... Right. There's... Right, and I think you have that aspect in this yeah. number eight, too. Yeah, you do. It's number, When you talk about a seed and a harvest, we're not just talking about one seed. Right. Hey, that's a terrible farm. <laughs> right? That's right. We go out, get up early in the morning and plant my one seed and call it a day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How's the harvest look? Well, yeah. <laughs> a bird came in here. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> right? There's so always the- next year... <laughs> Right, but there, there you you can't talk talk about this parable. I mean, you could, but there is an individual level on in this parable. But there is also a communal level. Hmm. Yeah, a harvest. That's not just one seed. Yeah. You don't come home with a seed. I've brought home the harvest. <laughs> now every seed is important. Every seed is precious, but the harvest is the collection of them. Right. The body of Christ right. has many members. Yep. Doesn't consist of just one toenail or something like that. <laughs> right. Right. So I guess that would be number eight is to, to think of the communal or seven. I think seven. All yeah. right. Yeah. You're yeah. my numbers guy. Oh, great. You told me not to think about numbers. <laughs> Number six. Let's start getting into then each of these. So we should have a thought on... Uh, talking about how it's trampled, right? Oh, you're right. Each of the individual right. calamities. Right. So um, so uh, you, it gives you a chance to talk about the devil stealing the word of God from people's hearts. That's how Jesus describes that first trample. It's like it fell on deaf ears completely. Like it didn't, it didn't even get started. Right. But I don't know, like if I try to describe in practical, so to speak, maybe there's no way to do that terms what that maybe what that looks like okay what does that look like when when you've oh so i'll I'll give you an example is is uh like if when i first encounter someone 
who uh, wants to become a Christian and has nothing to know about. Okay. Knows, really knows very little. Or, Not much in their background. Right, right. Or they, maybe they come from a different religious tradition and they mm-hmm. never really gave it a thought. Okay. That happens a lot where, yeah, I was I was this, but and I kind of went along with it by all these questions, but I just never really wrestled with them. Right. I was there for grandma. Right. Okay. Okay. Usually a lot of Catholics kind of fall into this category a little bit. Yeah, that might not be fair because there's like a billion Catholics. So right. That's that, true. That might be why. All right. But anyways, so the first thing when I'm in that situation is, is one thing you have to do is you have to start kind of deprogramming them. You have okay. to kind of start from a beginning aspect. You have to teach them that there actually is a word of God that is authoritative that they should listen to and why. And uh, you have to explain to them that uh, this is going to challenge you and there's going to be some things in God's word that you won't like or you will struggle with. Right. Right? And uh, you have to, in a sense, take all the things and all the roadblocks that the devil has set up in this world that would cause them to not hear God's word. And you almost like, depending on the person, almost one by one, kind of lift those. Okay. So, so that they can actually hear that word of God. So it's not trampled by all the preconceived mo- notions, all the things that they've been pounding on them about, you know, you are actually are created by God. Or, or the idea that, uh, you know, I go to a church that because they teach what I agree with as though right. they are the arbiters of what religious truth is and they just match their truth with the truth of the church. Right. I'm going to keep going to other churches till I find one that believes exactly like I already do. Right. And pretty soon I'll be in a church all by myself. <laughs> and then that that also is I will I, I that is also something and as a preacher we need to talk about in this way. Um and a lot of like I would say um 97% maybe a little less of the members here on a Sunday morning are probably conservative republican. Hmm. Could be, right? In uh, other words, correct. <laughs> And so there could be an idea that, yeah, that church, I go to that church because I agree with what they stand for. Right. No. No. Well, maybe in the narrow sense that you, they stand for the word of God. And so that's, if that's what you mean, I suppose. But, but if it's, they stand for my personal preferences, that's no right. And so part of the preacher then is, is finding what are those things that they may all hold the two. Mm-hmm. That might be a political thing. Right. That's not scriptural. You got to look for those and find them. Yeah. So the, the, they're they're challenged. Right. So, anyways, um, I digress. Yeah, that's got all kinds of different like conversation possibilities in my head. None of which have to do with this parable. So, <laughs> all right, number five. The next part is uh, about uh, going about rock right withering right. away because there was no there was no depth to the to the implantation of the seed I right suppose. those who hear the word of god receive it with joy but there is no root they believe for a while and in the time of testing fall away yeah so that means well that'd be they, it sounds like they need some of the holy spirit right yeah you know i gotta say this reminds me of this phenomenon i would see way back in high school we had a campus crusade for christ um, chapter or whatever 
And there, it became kind of trendy to be a Christian at our high school for, for some of the people. And, and you'd see that sadly enough, like people that would get kind of all jazzed up about, you know, Oh, we're like counterculture. We're, we're, we're Jesus believers now. And, and we're going to form a band and we're going to like rock out to Jesus. And, you know, it, it would be a really quickly passing phase. There was no depth to, to their belief there. Right. So this would be something, maybe I should talk to uh, pastor Chris Christian about in just yeah. him church. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, that, uh, um, the gospel is simple, right? It yeah, is very simple. It is. But it's also, there's depth to it there in its application because it goes against, the gospel goes against every fiber of our being hmm. and every everything that the way the world works. That's why the parables are awesome because it says, like the parable of the sower, first of all, most of the farmers are thinking he's a bad farmer. <laughs> you only put the seed in good soil. Right. <laughs> they they probably say, do you know how much a bag of seed costs? <laughs> That's right. Four hundred dollars. Ooh, painful. we're not dropping any of that on the road. Yeah, but it's gonna make a hundredfold. <laughs> I mean, if you don't plant it on the pavement, right? <laughs> and so, so there there needs to be depth, especially this in the the face of persecution, right? Which is a very timely thing to also think about. Um. When uh, our priorities are are messed up, and uh, um, and we feel we can, for example, miss church for all sorts of different reasons, right? Um, uh, is that the kind of faith that will stand strong when going to church will cost could cost you your life, your livelihood? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. I think Christianity does almost. I was taught this by the by my friend pastor that visited us once, but Christianity does well under uh, tribulation really in some ways Mm -hmm. and maybe does more poorly when things are at ease and peaceful and, and there's not much conflict. Well, I mean, you could look at the children of Israel. Yeah. That's a great point. All the, throughout the book of judges and, and then really the whole old Testament. (laughs) It goes through a cycle, right? Yeah. Uh, Things are going well. Oh, going well. We're doing a good job. And then it goes, Mm -hmm. let's go follow after the gods of our neighbors <laughs> or whatever. Right. And then it tanks and then it totally tanks. And then there's something happens. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Kind of has a, more of an upward trend and then mm-hmm. oh, things are going well. And then down it goes. Right. Yeah. So, so this one is about, uh, uh, t- talking about how the, the deep understanding and, and you could think of just like of theology, but it also could just be its application having deep roots in the midst of of uh right of tribulation it's kind of like when somebody's christianity is not much deeper than the bumper sticker they put on the back of their car kind of they the, for them christianity is like a slogan and it's not going to persist through any type of uh, adversity right or or in a small town it could be kind of like this um it's it's almost like my family tree my grandpa was lutheran okay, yeah. my dad was lutheran what do you mean i'm lutheran it's mm-hmm. like uh it's like saying, oh, I have come from a German background. I've come from a Lutheran background. <laughs> right. What that means? Meh. Right. Not, 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 I'm not like condemning people of that, like I like, know <laughs> or anything, but no. that general attitude. So so people will say, well, well, how can you condemn my sin? My grandfather started that church. Right. They're on, yeah. Yeah. They're on the... Founding. Maybe you should listen to what grandpa would have to tell you. Right. <laughs> They were on the, well, not the board, what do they call it when you're on the, the original document that founded uh, the church? I can't think right. of it. Right. Anyway. 
They laid the cornerstone. <laughs> there you go. Number four. All right, uh, about being choked about the cares and riches and pleasures of life, that their fruit doesn't mature. Yeah, right. So they they received the word. They must have, I would argue, by the structure of the parable, have understood the word. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nevertheless, they develop other priorities. And this is theology of the cross, really. Hmm, okay. Because uh, you've heard me tell people this before. That uh, well, if ever if you didn't have times like this, who'd want to go to heaven? Right, <laughs> right. You, you're building for yourself the kingdom for yourself. That's right. That's your where your your heart is, there your treasure will be, mm-hmm. as Jesus would say. Um, and so it doesn't mature because you're seeking a kingdom of this world. You're you're, you're building yourself a kingdom in this world. Your your care is not for your soul. Mm-hmm. Your care is not in hearing God's word. We're not praying for the Holy Spirit. It's right. really, I'm telling you, Vicar, it's okay to, for Lutherans to do that. <laughs> okay, I'm glad. Yes, you can pray for the Holy Spirit. Well, good. I I will say that uh, I have developed the the practice to pray that I would be convicted of my sins directly to the Holy Spirit because I understand that to be a proper work of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so I I want my sins to be detestable to me, and I pray right. That, and then that's Spirit. a that's a word thing too, right? How, well, 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 how am I convinced? Well, I kind of have to know the Ten Commandments. Yeah, yeah, good point. Right, right. Well, like, how would I know what was pleasing to God if I didn't have right the the Word of God to look at? <laughs> right. right. The fact that that you know, oh, I've been loving. Oh, you have. Well, do you realize that the Ten Commandments actually teach you what it looks like to love God and love your neighbor? Right, right, <laughs> right. Because if you could pull off those perfectly, you wouldn't even need the law because you would already be doing what it said. Right. But it turns out we don't pull those things off perfectly. <laughs> so uh, that brings us to number one. <laughs> <laughs> if we skip a number. Well, yeah. I want to move on. Oh, this yeah. Is, okay. is a thing. <laughs> and I've talked all, about every other sermon that I would maybe preach on this, but. Okay. Number one. Uh, you have to have a sermon about the good soil, right? Yeah. Right? If you're going to talk about those other things. Yeah. You want to talk about the good soil. What does that look like, maybe? Right. Is it, <laughs> it looks like people who hear hold it fast with an honest and good heart. There you go. Are you sure? <laughs> no, I, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it sounds pretty, right, yeah. I guess. <laughs> and bear fruit with patience. Mm. That's some tough words, really. I mean, as beautiful as those words are, we have a hard time being patient, I would say, as, as human beings, maybe. Mm-hmm. In particular, but uh, me especially, yeah, Americans, you in particular, <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm the one that that stands by the microwave, saying, "Why can't you be faster?" Yeah, if only I had started this 30 seconds earlier. <laughs> <laughs> or I'm the one who literally will not fill an entire tank of gas, not because I can't afford it, but Ugh. it's taking too long. I'll no, stop at like no. a three quarters of a tank. Like oh, I'm enough, enough of this. Oh, that hurts. If my you brain. want my business, get. Faster pumps. Faster pumps. <laughs> now you got to go back. Except for the more. ones with the TV. Then I actually. <laughs> I'm blaring the advertisement at you. Oh, oh word of the day. That's cool. <laughs> this day in history or something. I don't know if that's what they do or not. But <laughs> Genius. Those things. <laughs> yeah. 
they know my weak spot. I guess. And pretty soon you're just pumping the gasoline out on the ground right. so you can keep watching. Right. And now like I, I, I don't even need that much gas, but I, I'm dying to know what the word of the day is. Just start filling up the trunk with gasoline. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be another word. Do you like those advertisements at the theater like before the movie starts with the trivia questions and stuff? I, I like I like our local theater because yeah. they're like local people and people you all know. Right. Okay. It's kind of, I don't know, cute. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. But they only run like one movie at a time or something. And so if it's one I don't want to see, then I have to fall back on one of my three dozen streaming opportunities instead. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that is the end of the top number list of what yeah, we did the whole amount of numbers that we did today are done so we need to get to hannah's question yeah peter play the intro confound the clerics all right we're gonna get to hannah sent two questions we are only gonna have time for one Hopefully it's the one that I prepared an answer for and not the other one. <laughs> yes. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to have Vicar answer the question and then I'm going to see what chat. No, I'm not going to do that to you. <laughs> no more AI. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You're tired of competing against AI? Yeah. I don't like losing every single time. <laughs> I kind of want to go to the, the second question. Oh, well, we Just can. out of vanity's sake. But we can do that. I mean, because I've, this will, I printed some of the, what I needed. It can wait till next time. No, no. Okay. We're okay. going to go this one. So, so, uh, Hannah, our associate producer has been reading her Bible. It's a good thing. Good. Yeah. Yep. So I've been reading my Bible more vigorously in the, in the, in the few months, a practice that deserves its own email. And mm-hmm. I have a couple of questions from Acts. Yeah. First in Acts chapter eight, Luke writes, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon them, and they had simply been baptized in the name of Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Right. So uh, that might be vexing to, to many a Lutheran, that passage. Okay. <laughs> Right. And so her question is, what gives? Why didn't a baptism in or into the name of the Lord Jesus confer the Holy Spirit? Was it because the name of the triune God wasn't used? Just Jesus' name? <laughs> that makes us have to call Chris Christian almost. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So do you want me to start answering first or you want to go answer? Uh, if I could, I would like to say what I have found by looking into this passage. Okay. All right. So... I found that when that it helps to look at other portions of the book of Acts to help understand what's going on in chapter 8. Um, so I want to back up first to chapter 2, when after the, the disciples in the upper room, the 120 of them, had received the Holy Spirit, with, there, was a, there was a great amount of commotion and noise and flames, and, and then mm-hmm. they were speaking in languages they hadn't studied, and people could understand what they were saying, and a big crowd was there for the Pentecost. And then Peter gives his sermon to the people that were listening, and, and he said to them, and I'm reading in chapter 2, verse 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So that makes it very clear that when you are baptized, you receive the Holy Spirit. 
So that's a very clear statement in scripture that might help us understand the one that's given us a question today in chapter eight. Okay. So that's, that's where right, I could, could it, I have a question. Could it mean this? Okay. All right. Could it mean that, um, uh, cause Peter received the Holy spirit that he was speaking in tongues and speaking God's word. Right. Right. Certainly the Holy spirit works in them to forgive sins. Of course. And then could you mean, could it be another time where they, they receive also the Holy spirit where they become witnesses to Christ? In his truth. In chapter eight? In chapter two. In chapter two. I'm, I'm, I'm just curious. So what would you think about that? So for example, uh, do we believe that the disciples believed in Christ? Certainly. Oh yeah. Right. And right. But yet Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone their sins, they are forgiven. So there, there could there be uh, a Holy Spirit of, by which is received for the salvation of your soul, and then also a Holy Spirit given that you may continue to speak that word and the Holy Spirit accompanying that word with power. Kind of like when Jesus was baptized. Yeah. He was obviously God and one with God, but then the Holy Spirit came, went, uh, lighted him on a, like a dove, and he began to do what? Preach the word of God. Right. That's when he began his ministry. Right. So he received the Holy Spirit, and immediately that Holy Spirit drove him out to the wilderness right. to be tempted in the in the wilderness on our behalf. So, just a well, it's an interesting question. I mean, there's, I guess I'm focused more on the there was a visible manifestation of the Holy Spirit in the upper room, and in contrast, in chapter eight, I don't think we should read this as they had merely been baptized. I don't think it means merely. I think it's just making the point uh, that as it happens when they were baptized and obviously received the Holy Spirit, because that's what happens when you're baptized, uh, there hadn't been a visible manifestation. And I'm not saying that that's normative right. and we should not read it as normative. I think the text is just making it clear why this other thing they're about to describe. Right. Because because we're the, we, 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 when we think of the context of it, mm-hmm. uh, the, the first Christians in Acts, they couldn't just say, okay, now o- open up to Luke 2. <laughs> right? Right, yeah. He's going to write that in about 15 years, but go ahead and open up to it. <laughs> right. And so um, there were manifestations of the Holy Spirit that show that they were speaking right. God's word. I, I absolutely A manifest for that. Luke 2, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Jesus promised the Holy Spirit, and then right. at Pentecost, he gave them the Holy Spirit. Yep. In tongues of fire, that was not so that they would be saved. No, absolutely not. Earlier, Jesus, we know this because he said, peace be with you. Right. Jesus has said to Peter, feed my lambs. Right. Wait for the Holy Spirit. Well, I, you know, I will send the Holy Spirit. Well, don't they already have it? Well, yes. Yeah. But there's going to be a time where, and I think this is where the individual and collective discussion that maybe we had earlier might mm-hmm. come into mm-hmm. play. Because... And as an individual, I have received the forgiveness of sins and the power of the Holy Spirit for the, for the forgiveness of my sins, right? Yeah. Collectively, uh, is that being proclaimed? Is there some sort of manifestation for that to be heard? Which is why in the ordination hymn that I have directed mm-hmm. to you to earlier, right? Uh, you're asking the, the, the pastor, the new pastor, the soon-to-be pastor, the pastor-elect, right. however you want to word it, because it's just <laughs> right. not quite a pastor, but in a few minutes he will. <laughs> Right, um, uh, you're asking God to send him the 
the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Well, I, so I, I think actually, and you think back to what we talked about a moment ago about the baptism of Jesus, would we say, oh yeah, he didn't have the Holy Spirit yet. I mean, that just can't possibly make any sense when we talk about the triune God. Right. And yet the Holy Spirit. So my, my point is there is in a sense, what what's happening, why this is confusing to Lutherans is we're boxing in the Holy Spirit to just mm-hmm. to mean my personal salvation. Okay. Right. When the Holy Spirit in the parable of the sower not only was in the implanting of the seed, mm-hmm. but the Holy Spirit was the continuing of the calling, gathering, enlightening, and sanctifying that that seed may grow. Right. And so, yes, they had the Holy Spirit, but they didn't have the Holy Spirit in this passage in the sense of that proclamation. I know where you're going because we we had a... Sub- we talked about this a little bit before we got the recording going, but I didn't reach quite your conclusion, the, the, the connection you're making to kind of ordination. I mean, it could be there and I could probably be talked into it, but I, I really think that this had to do on either side of this account in chapter eight, we're talking about Simon the magician and how he used to do things that trick people into thinking he had all these powers and something visible happened in chapter eight that had not happened before. So the Holy Spirit came, granted they already had it by being baptized, so we're not saying that that wasn't the case, but they hadn't had this visible manifestation that whatever it was, it doesn't actually say in chapter 8, What it, was it speaking in tongues, was it fire, was it wind, it yeah. doesn't say. And the reason why I, I, I would equate it to to uh, to ordination is this. Okay. Um, uh, there was some sort of visible manifestation that said, oh, this person has the Holy Spirit. And I said earlier that it's because it was a time where they didn't have Scripture. They didn't have those things that we have now to to confirm that in them. They didn't have a caller even. So when you have an ordination now, right, Mm -hmm. there's a reason why it's a public thing. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason why the pastors lay on their hands to attest to the fact that he is speaking hmm. for the on behalf of Christ to the people of God right to do exactly what was going on with there because he wanted in a sense I want that power but he was not called to do so right interesting yeah no that is interesting to connect it that way I was, I was thinking that because in the Pentecostal church, they would say, well, I can I can go out, I can climb a mountain, have, you know, build a fire and eat some deer sausage and God can call me and ordain me right there. And now I am a preacher and I'm going to start my own church and I'm going right. to do these things because God has called me. Right. Like it, immediately, without means, without the word of God, just I have the strong feeling. Right. And, and there's no confirmation of that. How do we no, know? No confirmation. But ordination provides some of that it does because yeah. it is a public thing mm-hmm. right and people are witnesses there are vows that people hear right blessings of god's word the calling of the holy spirit upon him mm-hmm. the laying on of hands right and and so we don't trust in some sort of a physical or manifestation that we can see from a supernatural thing that probably happened in here 
Right. That's not what we were. That's not normative for nowadays. No, it was a special occasion, but it does the same thing that an ordination now would okay. do. Okay. Oh, I like that. Yeah. You see the difference it, there? It, that's yeah, why. I do. It made it public and obvious and I'll say evidence-based that that um, who was called to be evangelizing, who had the true word of God. And I, I do think that there's a, there's something to the miracles that the apostles were performing so that it would confirm that what they was were saying was the truth and that the church needed that at first. And so God gave that. So, so going back to the baptism of Jesus, okay? Yeah. Um, really, when the Holy Spirit came to him in a physical manifestation and the voice boomed from heaven, right? it wasn't necessarily for Jesus' sake. Yeah, that's a good point. Right? Mm-hmm. It was for the others. Listen to him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Kind of like uh, when we talked about the transfiguration, that exactly. wasn't for, maybe it had been for Jesus, but you know, he said, maybe this happens all the time. This time he just <laughs> happened to bring Peter and James and John with him. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, but, but that was for them. Right. It was definitely directed to the disciples. And, and, and ordination is really, it's public so that people can know mm-hmm. that this is for them too. Like he, it, he has been called to do this, and also, you know, there's some trust in the ordination as the fact that he has been trained, he has heard God's word, he makes public vows to attest that this is what he believes. Right. And what does he believe? The things in God's word, it is the inerrant word of God. He believes in, in uh, the, 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 the Lutheran confessions right. and makes a vow to them. He takes a vow of faithfulness. It's for their sake, not merely, the ordination isn't just between the man and Jesus. And so that's why I would connect this, how I would connect this to ordination. Okay. Not that ordination is supernatural. Just like um, when we look at the call in Acts 2, uh, in Pentecost, there is a supernatural aspect in how the apostles were called. The fire, the right. rushing wind, right. receiving the Holy Spirit. But then ultimately, what does Peter do? He preaches a law gospel sermon based on the Old Testament yep. where he leads them to be baptized. Yep. And then they are directed and devoted themselves to to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to the Lord, to to fellowship and to prayer. There you go. That's so, right. so to be true Pentecostal, now it may not look supernatural the way the Pentecostal would want, but right. a true Pentecostal would do what Peter did: preach the word of God, and direct baptize, baptize yeah. mm-hmm. repent of your sins. This blessing is for your families. Devote yourselves to to the teaching. The fellowship, mm-hmm. the gathering together, to the Lord's Supper, prayer. That's how you're going to be a true. Now, we may not have the supernatural Holy Spirit in a physical manifested that right. that they needed at that time. But nonetheless, what happens today is exactly right. the same. And I think it's important that the people, the 3,000 people that were baptized that day, it doesn't say, and then they spoke in other languages and performed miracles and, and so forth. But they received the Holy Spirit. He just told them to repent and uh, be baptized, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. So those 3,000 people also received the Holy Spirit that day, but it doesn't, it, they didn't, it doesn't say that they've received all those miraculous abilities. Right, and I would say this too, is, is um, going back to the individual and plural. Okay. Because sometimes it's, it's referred to the gift of the Holy Spirit. Yes. And the Bible is clear that we all receive different Different gifts. Gifts. So if someone is not giving the gift of preaching, the preaching office, right, right, 
that doesn't mean that they haven't received the Holy Spirit. Right. I know it doesn't mean that. But at the same time, we we trust that the, the the preacher has the Holy Spirit in the sense of he's preaching God's word. Of course. He speaks what the Spirit has given him to say in the word of God. So did I did I just uh, kind of bluster in and kind of... That's okay, though. I You, you made a, a real strong case for your connection to ordination that you had mentioned before we prepared and started this podcast, but, and, but now live on the air, you have made a very strong case for it. Uh, being a type of ordination that was witnessed uh, there in chapter eight. So I like it. Okay. <laughs> so is there anything else you would like to add about it? Like from your, how, how you would continue to explain this? Mm. Well, I also looked up a passage in chapter 19 of the book of Acts, and this is uh, Paul and Apollos at Corinth. And this is when he encountered disciples. They're described as disciples And he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And so he uh, he said, into what then were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him. That is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. So, uh, I guess contrasting that with chapter 8. No, I can't contrast with chapter 8. I don't know. It's Um, almost the same. It's really very similar, right? Because there was a manifestation again at that moment. That, uh, that, But in this case, they hadn't even been baptized. So, you might – they were disciples – they weren't described right. as Christians, I guess. I don't know if I can make hay out of that, but they were disciples only at this and point. I think there's another case, it's, I'm blanking out on it, where, where uh, in a sense, they received the Holy Spirit in like this physical manif- manifestation, and then they were and baptized. And then they were baptized, right. There's that too. So I think we see uh, the formation of the church uh, being kicked off in ways that are not right. like we would see nowadays. Right, and we 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 understand that Acts was special. It's filled with special cases. It is filled with special cases. You got Ananias and Sapphira mm-hmm. being executed by God because they were lying to the Holy Spirit. I mean, things. That's we... what my file said when I was in school. <laughs> A special case. <laughs> Maybe that's not what you meant. Right. <laughs> special case. <laughs> Get him out of here. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, just... the iced tea kid. Yeah. <laughs> you know the. If you were a pregnant woman, you were supposed to carry around a pickle jar so that when your water broke, you could drop the pickle jar and look like you just broke a jar of pickles rather than that your water broke. That was like this secret pregnant woman advice that I heard See, about. See, if, if I had done that pickle jar thing now, I could have just said, oh, I'm pregnant. That's right. And nowadays they would have to honor that truth, your truth. That's right. <laughs> All right. We need to end this. Oh, yeah. Uh, anything you want to add? Hopefully, Hannah, we answered your question. Yeah, and in a roundabout right, way, kind of right. <laughs> right but what, what, what? Anything in that question we left out? Oh, seems impossible. Uh, so I don't think it was anything to do with the baptism itself, whether it was triune or not. No, I don't think it was that. I I think that it we when you read the word only, uh, I think that's what trips us up because right. and it is there in the Greek. and in a sense we're we're boxing in what the Holy Spirit does if you just say it's only about salvation, right? I think it's not to be understood as merely. I think it's just 
to describe that there hadn't yet been any particular manifestation, which matters because there's about to be some. Not saying they weren't saved, not saying they right. didn't have the Holy Spirit. It's just, well, to, to clarify, this this type of thing had not happened yet. Right. That's all I think it means. There was and, and I think, um, I don't remember, in, that, in Acts chapter 8, the magician guy. Yeah, Simon. Right. right. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say that he wasn't saved, it's just that he didn't receive the gift, does it? Uh, he was definitely a follower of Philip um, in the beginning, but he, he became a believer. I'm pretty sure it says he did. He believed and he, he had been a famous music magician in that part of the world. And like, and then he be, was following, but he clearly was a newbie, right? He didn't right. understand. And so he right. thought, because right away he tries to buy the, the power, the power to lay hands on people and right. give them the gift, these visible signs of the Holy spirit. He wanted to buy that, which is, he was sternly rebuked by Peter. Right. Right. But, but that, that kind of goes to show then though, that, I mean, you could be one of faith and not receive that particular gift Absolutely, of the of Holy course. Spirit. Right. And again, I'd say we saw that in chapter two when 3,000 people were baptized that day and received the Holy Spirit because that's what happened. And yeah. it doesn't say anything about them manifesting various powers. Right. And, and I, I would say that you, I don't know if that necessarily means all 3,000 individuals will be able to speak in tongues and will be anointed. Right. But they, as a collective group, will be given. They will be given people who will do those things, right. speak God's word for them. We know they received various gifts because they're believers. Right. Just like Jesus promised the disciples, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Paraclete. Right. All right. That is enough pneumatology. <laughs> I love it. For this episode. So thank you for listening. I'm Bullhagen. This is Vicar. And... Uh, Uh, May you unmute (laughs) the spirit. (laughs) Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast. On Twitter, at P for podcast, or email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Claire Glares. See you next time. <laughs> you got to click on the button up in the top left corner there. <laughs> Peter, keep that in. <laughs>